what we do here is go back, 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 back. Yeah, good mate. Thanks for having me. We went the hardest in the, the celebrations. Can't say myself, can I? Uh, <laughs> you sort of almost got to tell yourself that you're a, you're a big game player or a mm. big finals player. So somehow I thought, well, just because I play well as a 13 year, I'd have to play well in the grand final. Me, me and Cogs are um, a couple of good WA boys, and we, we do get a bit affectionate with each other, always giving each other kisses and stuff. <laughs> nah, not really. Just bit, you know, a manly kiss yeah. on the cheek every now and then. G'day guys, welcome back to the Bray and Ethan podcast. Ethan and I are in studio for the first time in 2023, believe it or not, after uh, doing a couple of episodes from our from it, the comfort of our own home, Ethan, but we've got someone uh, in, or not in, he's uh, on the computer, unfortunately, just like uh, Kuda was last episode, but he's not his first time speaking to us, believe it or not, and he's a big bash champion as well. Yeah, big start to the year. Uh, one of the heroes out in the middle uh, when the Scorchers won the BBL 12 championship, I was going to say earlier in the month, but now it's March. So yeah. last month, uh, hit the winning runs in front of over 50,000 people. Um, and that's carried through to Claremont Netherlands. No worries at all. Nick Hobson, thanks for joining us and uh, nice to chat again after about two years last time over the phone. It is great to be back guys. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate you jumping on this evening. Well, a lot's happened in two years just to start off. What a hectic month or so it has been for you. you have you been able to, catch a breath and reflect on what's happened over the last month or so? Um, look, it's been busy, that's for sure. Um, but equally so enjoyable. Um, I don't know. I don't think I've enjoyed my cricket as enough um, or ever, sorry, my career as much as, much as now. Obviously, the Big Bash um, was, a, was a massive highlight and um, it's just great to see cricket being front and centre in Perth and how many people enjoy the game. And, um, yeah, it was obviously the game spoke for itself in the end. It was, it was brilliant to be a part of. Best cricketing memory, without a doubt, I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, I think that's going to be um, a very tough one to beat, not going to lie. It was, um, I'm a, I'm a long-time West Coast Eagles supporter and um, have kind of, you know, dreamed about playing in front of the big crowds here in Perth and sometimes you don't always think that's the case with cricket, but to have that was pretty special. Yeah, well, we're going to get right into that BBL final, but before we do that, let's wind back a bit. You played a couple of games in BBL 11 and sat on the bench and watched the final. Did you think there was any way possible you'd play every game this season as you did? Uh, honestly, no. Like I think you, you obviously prepare as a player to, to want to do that, but I was probably beneficiary of guys like Mitch Marsh getting injured and um, I guess the well-documented uh, internationals pulling out quite late for us. So you always prepare to try and play a whole season, but uh, you know I've historically been a player on the fringe, so to play every game was fantastic. Yeah, for sure. Well, it was a bit of yeah, a weird tournament. As you said for yourself, you were batting a number three uh, earlier on in the tournament and then obviously a little bit changed around. Uh, you pretty much did a straight swap with Aaron Hardy uh, to the number six role. What was it like going from working closely with guys such as Faf up the top of the order, which probably would have been, a, am going to guess, a dream come true, batting with a international superstar like he is and then to be pushed down to the order where you weren't needed as much because the top order were getting it done? Yeah, look, it was pretty different. To be honest, I, I kind of spent a lot of the winter trying to be that middle-order position because I know historically we've recruited top-order bats with our overseas and we had really strong top-order local players. So I actually put a lot of prep into that middle-order role and then as things eventuated close to the season, it looked like me or Aaron would start at number three with Mitch going down. Um, so like you said, 
to bat with Faf at the start was unbelievable. He's you know played all around the world and resume speaks for itself, right? So that was incredible in itself. And then, yeah, had this very strange period where barely batted for large chunks of the tournament. And then, um, yeah, it was kind of needed when it mattered right at the end. Yeah, I was going to say it was definitely weird how it played out sort of, um, yeah, being pushed, well, not pushed into it, but sort of, yeah, no no bigger scenario than to come in at the end like you did. Uh, going through some of your personal highlights, one of them was smacking Nathan Lyon for 100 metre six at the SCG. Talk us through that. I mean, it must have felt pretty nice to get under the skin of Gaza. It was. It was, it was pretty cool. Uh, I remember walking out there. Actually, that was another night where I thought I wasn't going to have a bat. There was a lot of rain around Sydney and um, uh, the groundsman kept telling us it's going to come any minute now, it's going to rain. So I thought, oh, God, it's another innings, I'm not going to bat. <laughs> and then I saw um, Nathan Lyons, I was slowly banking up um, and I knew he was waiting for myself and or Ash Agar was at seven with two left-handers to match up to us. So um, when he came up, I came on, I think I had a cheeky word. I said, oh, you've been waiting for this, haven't you? And he goes, oh, yeah, well done, Einstein, or something like that. And then, um, yeah, the first ball kind of stuck a bit in the pitch. I thought, oh, God, if it's there, I've got to really swing and then and then connected. But, yeah, the best part was Stevie Eskenazi's reaction, who's a good mate at Claremont for, for years. So um, he was wrapped and it was, it was a pretty good night in the end, but um, didn't quite get the chocolates. Yeah, I was going to say, it was like into the second or, or third tier. But you mentioned uh, Eskenazi. What was it like having, I guess, as always kind of been a real Claremont feel to the Scorchers. That must be that must be handy. Yeah, it's great. Um, Mum sent through a photo of me, Matt Kelly and Stevie winning a, oh, God, what were we, under 12s flag in 2006, seven something like that. Yeah. So we've been playing for a long time together. Um, and then, yeah, obviously Stevie's made his name over in the UK, so he left um, just after school to, to make his career over there, kind of came back to and from for a little while. And then I think we worked out it's been about six or seven years since we played a game together. So I was wrapped when he was kind of play for Claremont for the summer. And then as things worked out, we were, um, yeah, in the middle of Opera Stadium together, um, the start of February, celebrating a flag, which is cool. Are we looking at Eskenazi coming back to play some Premier Cricket at Claremont Netherlands? If, even if he doesn't come back to the Scorchers, I'm sure he will. But is he going to come back to Claremont next summer? Good question. Well, his, his family live here, so I guess he's always got the, the draw of Perth, even if it's for Christmas or, or a couple of games. But um, probably like anyone, everyone um, would want to be playing some cricket, particularly for the English guys. There's a lot of um, T20 leagues in that off-season. So yeah. you never know. But, um, yeah, cricket can move a lot in 10 months. We'll see where we end up. Okay. Well, another strength of yours was your fielding uh, in the Big Bash this season as well. You took an absolute hanger of a catch against the Renegades and, was your role in the outfield ever tiring at stages, especially having to run from boundary to boundary, plus all the travelling you guys do? Obviously, you're the most travelled side in the BBL. So how tiring was that role for you? Yeah, oh, look, I actually love it. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I somehow managed to get um, the way pitches are set up. There's usually a big side and a, and a short side on, on each oval. So for some reason, because I... I wouldn't say I'm one of the youngest in the team, but at least in experience, I've seemed to manage the um, the big side the most. So, um, yeah, I actually loved it. Each game was really clear. I was out on the big side and have a run around. I felt like I was alone in the Ford 50 at Optus. But, um, yeah, a, a long time sometimes without the ball, but then you get your, uh, your moments like the catch. Were you on the player mic at all? Yeah, I had a bit of time on the player mic. Okay. Um, to be honest, it kind of rattles you a bit at the start. Yeah. <laughs> They're... Um, 
they leave. I don't know if guys have given you guys much feedback on it before. A little um, bit, yeah. But they kind of leave the commentary on um, when the bowl is running in. So you've got the mic in this ear here, and um, yeah, you can literally hear uh, Andy Barr or whoever's on the commentary that night um, commentating the game and the sound effect out of the stump mic, and you're um, 80 meters away in the fence. It's pretty weird. Yeah, I was gonna say I like. Obviously, you know, I, I don't think many people would like doing, especially, you know, if you're batting, like, you know, I feel like sometimes they ask questions when, like, the ball is, like, well, the action's happening, and then when they're, when they're not, they, like, I don't know, they leave it um, completely silent. But we'll touch on the final. There's so many questions to ask, obviously, but how many times have you watched yourself hit, either hitting the winning runs or uh, that last over? Oh, God, I think only about 300. Yeah, <laughs> no, we had heaps. To be honest, the the, the little clips at the end, um, Coops and I, that kind of, I don't know. We still smile whenever we see each other now. It's just like a, I think, a little bond that we'll keep for for a very long time. But um, you know, the beauty of social media, they make these little clips where you can watch them even shorter and shorter. So mm. just um, those last few overs, or in particular that last over, um, yeah, a lot. <laughs> now. Obviously, you had that run out with Ashton Turner where you absolutely barbecued him and you can see him on see that on your Instagram uh, that we've seen, a nice little photo that you've done there to have a laugh. But that yeah. would have been, that would have done, I guess, uh, demons to your head in the moment of that. So what did you do uh, to yourself? Or if you can remember what you did, it would have been all a blur. But what did you do uh, to yourself in that moment saying, I've, I've got a lift here. I'm, there's a chance I could hit the winning runs, uh, but I've just got to forget about that and move on. Yeah, good question. It's um, it's strange that you don't really think about um, what you're doing um, or definitely don't think you're going to have to recount what you, you were thinking at the time um, a few weeks later. But I think I said publicly that Ash came up to me and basically just said, oh, mate, you're a gun. You're going to get us over the line. And um, to be honest, I probably didn't share his optimism. But um, <laughs> uh, he gave those words of encouragement. And then I remember the 12th man running out with a drink bottle and um, – I just had my back to the dugout because I, I, I couldn't look at it <laughs> and uh, just had a couple of squirts at the bottle and then I turned around and, and Cooper was there and he was pumped up and I was like, let's just do this. So, um, you know, the, the way it worked out, I actually had seven balls. Cooper faced the next seven balls. So it was the last ball of the 16th over and all of the 17th or whatever they were. Yep. And um, so it was about five minutes before I had to face up again. So I think somewhere along the lines there, I, I managed to calm myself. <laughs> mm, yeah, it would have helped. <laughs> so you, I mentioned that that post you made, the little post on your Instagram. Who came up with that? Did you edit that yourself or is someone, say, in the team done that and sent it to you or even one of your mates outside of the, outside of the team? Yeah, I wish I could claim credit. I'm not that <laughs> clever. I'll give him a shout-out. It was Cam Steele, who's one of okay. – um, who's at Claremont Netherlands with me and um, plays cricket over at Surrey. He's a very funny man. He said, oh, mate, leave it with me. I'll come up with a few <laughs> ideas for the barbecue. Yeah. So he was good. Do you enjoy it? Um, what was – because it was the highest run chase in BBL final history, right? So what was the mindset of the halfway mark? Because I guess, like, from a Scorchers fan's point of view, people probably thought, like, it was a bit – you guys might have liked a bit of runs out in the field. So were you always sort of confident you could – chase it down because you know regardless of what the score is the finals are final but when you're chasing you know almost 180 that's sort of next level yeah correct it's oh, to be honest I can't really remember I think there was just we had a lot of belief in our group in general just from the confidence of the season right and winning we chased a lot um, I didn't actually realize until after that that was our highest chase of the season so I wasn't really discussed any of those things but um, 
yeah, I don't know. I think the group in general are really good at keeping calm. And then it's one of those things that it either comes off or it doesn't. I know it sounds so cliche, but mm. guys don't really think or talk about it too much. Yeah. Could you, you and Cooper, like, even hear each other out there? I mean, <laughs> the crowd, I know he tried to calm you down. And after when you, when you hit that six in the last over, and you were pretty pumped. And I think Cooper probably tried to calm you down, saying it's not over, sort of thing. But I mean, could you even hear each other out there? No, it was so loud. I reckon the three moments um, that, that really stood out, Cooper's second six off the last ball of the, I'm going to get the third last over, whatever that was off James Baisley, was so loud. Um, when Coops got dropped, that was yeah. thunderous <laughs> by Josh Brown. And then, yeah, that six, I, um, I'd spent the last three hours trying to, you know, do my best to keep Cooper level. And then <laughs> I started going nuts when I got that one out of the middle and then, he came up to me and was like, oh, just calm down, calm down. I was like, oh, all right, youngster. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can imagine it would have happened all real fast, but talk us through the, the celebrations in the days to come. I know you pretty much the whole team, I think, went to CBH, I think it was, on the Sunday after the game. And I don't know if this is a good question or not, but did you tell your work you won't be coming to work for the next coming days or did they tell you you can have the next couple of days off? Well, it made a good little article, right? But we um, I actually, we played a heap of games at the back end of the home and away season and then we were getting ready for the first final and I was I was pretty cooked. It was the first time I played all the games and all the travel, so I was pretty yeah. tired. And I actually called him up and said, oh, look, no matter what happens, you might have to you know, have a couple of days after the final if we get there. And they were like, oh, no worries, just take the week off. Um, as it turned out, like we had seven-day break between the – the semi-final and the final, so I, you know the body and mind got a bit better after that. But um, but yeah, it, it was pretty good fun. I think I actually needed that week just to get my heart rate to resting levels again. <laughs> yeah, I saw someone. There was something that said um, like if you did go back to work or just in general, really wins BBL um, trophies on Saturdays, does your taxes on Mondays. <laughs> so, yeah, the boys loved it. They um, Pete Hatzlu wrote up that like I'm a good accountant or something on a Channel Seven post, and then um. Yeah, Mitch Marsh had my LinkedIn profile up on his Insta story. So, um, yeah, that, that got a bit of traction in the old LinkedIn. So, yeah, all part of the fun and games. Yeah. Well, yeah, as I said, like the media blew up the whole teenager and full-time accountant win the BBL story, you know, and even saying throughout the tournament, hey, you know, you catch the bus to work and sort of all these stitch-up sort of things. Uh, how does your job actually fit around cricket? I know people probably ask you about it all the time, but, you know, work must mm. be pretty flexible. Yeah, pretty flexible. Got a pretty good gig, but I kind of work four days a week, and then um, for kind of nine, ten months of the year, where I'll um, I'll try and get down to one of the wacker sessions once a week, and then train outside work really um, after work um, in pre-season or, or during the season, and then during the big bash, I took from basically the end of November to yeah that week after the final off. So it's kind of unpaid leave because you get your your cricket contract at the same time doesn't really matter so um look i'm pretty lucky to be to be really frank i'm definitely not the hardest working person in the office yeah uh aren't we all well a couple of weekends uh later you hit 122 off 73 balls to lead claremont netherlands to a one day title clearly you weren't too dusty from the scorcher celebrations then <laughs> no it was another great day i always love playing for the tigers so um we got a great crew of guys um and particularly some youngsters coming through. It was just great to um, to get some of them their first premiership. And, yeah, it was just one of those ones where I almost felt like I had the momentum from the week before and then I was just kind of chancing my hand and um, still playing as if it was a T20 really and it came off and 
here we are. Any of the opposition give you any lip? I mean, what could I say, really? I mean, like, regarding the fight, the Scorchers final or anything? Well, they're trying to say I'm no longer a club cricketer and all this, and they're trying to be a bit nice guy. But I was like, hold on, fellas, we're on the same field here. So clearly I am. (laughs) But, uh, Uh, yeah, it's good fun. You guys are sitting second on the table at the moment uh, with, I think, maybe one or two games left. I'm not quite sure. but Yeah, one home and away. One home and away. So how are you guys tracking and how do you rate your chances uh, for the title? That we're in it, um, like I said, at second, which is good. To be honest, our white ball form is probably better than red ball, but finals are finals, so we just got to win a couple and you're in a grand final again. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm pumped. Hopefully you can cap off the, a golden summer. Um, last time we spoke, you were in the middle of sort of playing white ball cricket um, for WA in the Marsh Cup. Is it still an ambition to play a higher level across other leagues um, other than the BBL? Uh whether that be sort of interstate or overseas, are you pretty settled with the Scorchers during the summer? Well, I think the, there's so much cricket around the world that every cricketer is going to be the same, right? You're going to want to put your hand up for whatever you can play in. Um, in saying that, they're, they're really competitive to get into. Um, so, look, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely be open to playing any T20 around the world um, as long as it doesn't clash with Perth, obviously. Um, uh, so, yeah, I'd be very open to that. And then, yeah, the, the Marsh... Um, Cup, probably a product of just WA being so strong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Basically, most of the guys that play for Australia who are playing in that, so tough team to get into. Yeah, for sure. Were you playing – I saw you signed for a Queensland Premier Cricket team. Was Did that yeah. end up happening? Yeah, yeah. I played um, in August. There was like a T20 comp up there for two yeah, weeks. Okay. I did awfully. So, um, yeah, I worked on a few things in pre-season. I got 70 runs and seven digs. So, um, one of them – I'd been working on like opening my bat face up to try and like basically get a better swing through the ball. Yeah. Um, so ironically, there was this like replay when I hit that last six um, where my bat face is like really open and then I come through and connect the ball as like the low full toss. And one of the guys from my Queensland team messaged me and just said, oh, glad the open bat face worked out in the end. Because <laughs> yeah. it, it didn't work in Brisbane. Yeah, oh, well. You got there in the end. Um, all right, well, let's move over to the Instagram Q&As at Bray and Ethan on Instagram, Facebook, or even Twitter. Uh, first one from Bodie Derek 11 What are some tips when it comes to hitting a six as a left-hander? I guess you just touched on that, but go a bit further in depth. Oh, yeah, probably, um, look, to be honest, my swing is basically, it's like probably a mixture of a golf and a baseball swing, right, um, which is slightly different to the traditional, like, high elbow hit down the line that you get told when you're, um, you know, starting cricket. So, yeah, basically aim it like a bit of a golf swing wide of long on and um, if it's a bit shorter, it just goes a bit squarer and then if it's nice and full, it'll go a bit straighter and hopefully that'll help, help hit yeah. some bombs. Yeah, hopefully Bray plays a lot of golf, so hopefully he can take that into account with his cricket. Uh, <laughs> Kurt underscore Thom, uh, how does it feel being the second left-handed hero for the Scorchers behind Craig Simmons? Why Craig Simmons? Not even Cooper Conley, right? Yeah. <laughs> I hope that's not based on physique. I mean, I love Simo, but yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I guess he'll never get – I reckon I'd be number three, to be honest, behind Cooper and Craig Simmons. feels good. Uh, next one here is CBM Cricket Official. Strategy of the Perth Scorchers being so consistent. So I'm assuming this is like, I don't know why the Scorchers so consistent over, what, the 12 years of the Big Bash? Good question. Um I don't know. Personally, I think it's all, all uh, WA guys keeping them together. A lot, everyone gets on really well. And then we get like internationals who fit around our holes that we need. Yeah. I was going to say, because 
like FAF is probably the the main big one that I can sort of think of, but all the other internationals necessarily haven't always been like the biggest names around the world, but they've sort of been what the scorers yeah. have needed um, or, you know, that they best uh, fit into the team. Uh, Benny DeRosa wants to know, are you keen to make an appearance in the Peel CA T20 comp next season for uh, Waruna? So assuming they probably need players. <laughs> Yeah, send through send through the dates. Won't say no. If it's a white ball game on AstroTurf, that'd be a bit of fun, wouldn't it? Yeah, isn't it all? Uh, Mitch Oliver, have you ever hit a ball into the snake pit at Lark Hill? Snake pit? I'm playing there Saturday, so maybe I can add that to the bucket list. I, I don't think I have. Maybe a couple of sixes, but I don't know what he means, a snake pit. I assume he means the sand dunes down there, but... Where's that, that could be a task for Saturday. Where's that uh, in context of the ground, like cow corner or straight down the ground? Well, I think the snake pit means just like about 20 metres past the boundary, there's like sand dunes there. Okay. Well, that big dune. So let's go with that. Yeah, okay. So we'll square of the wicket. Yeah, okay. Uh, next one here from Jake Gasper. He'll, he'll, he'll appreciate this. I think it's the first question he's ever sent in and I see him every Tuesday. He loves the pod. So shout out to Jake. <laughs> Uh, who is the best young talent coming out of Claremont Netherlands and why is it Fletcher Netherway? Well, best young talent. Well, there's two lads who played in the second lemon for WA last week from Claremont. So young Lockie Hardy's a lefty, left-handed bat and young Liam Haskett is a left-arm bowler. And I think they've both got the ability to be pro cricketers. So um, those two would be two up-and-comers to watch for WA followers. Yeah, Lockie Hardy, I think, played second eleven. Um, did pretty well as well. So. While we're on second eleven, you, would you, you you'd obviously yeah, be happy to play second eleven cricket if you got the chance for WA? I don't know how it works, whether you have to be in a squad or not. But would you? Yeah, you probably you'd love to play and try to get your name into oh. that first eleven side. It's a hard one, um, I guess, because I got a job outside it. Yeah. I probably need some not guarantees, but some Security, encouragement that yeah. would lead to first team cricket. Yeah. So. Um, that's right. We're in good communication with the Wacker, so nice. there's no stress around that. Good. This that. next one from uh, Bev, Alex Belevica, a uh, very early guest of this show. Yes. Uh, I think he asked something similar last time as well, but does your wallet open? And if so, how many moths are in there? Seriously, uh, before you even read the question, I knew what yeah. he was going to ask. <laughs> you knew the question before he even started the recording. <laughs> he did. Yeah, yeah. I, I probably sent the same question in for him because no one's ever seen his wallet before. So, right. yeah, it quickly runs from the bar, that man. Uh, Mark.Rick with a double C. Uh, what age did you start going to the gym? What age did you start going to the gym? Good question. Probably like, you know what, I was probably, I grew quite late, but I'd say year 12 or just out of school. Um, but it probably took me until I was like in my early 20s in the pathway program to, to be more switched on with what I was doing there. Yeah. I don't... I don't know if there's one more, but brave, get your phone up. There was one more. I forgot to put it in here. It was something. It was like a lookalike, um, saying Cooper looks like someone and you look like someone. See if we can find it. Um, Patience with us. Get him in. But while we're just uh, trying to find this quickly, um, are you a winter sport man? Do you have something on during the winter between cricket seasons that you'll uh, be getting into, whether it's playing footy or an indoor sport or something? I don't play. I previously played footy, amateur footy for Collegians Football Club back in when I was a uni student, but too dangerous now. I can't risk doing a shoulder or a knee for that one. So mm. um, 
keen follower. I like the West Coast Eagles. We're probably in for a big season. I reckon we're yeah. going to be climbing up plenty, that ladder. Plenty so. of hype around the Eagles. So yeah, yeah I love I love that. Favorite so, yeah, player? Be my winter. Favorite player? Hey, oh, I used to be Josh Kennedy, but he's retired now. Mm. So um, let's say. I don't know anyone who plays full forward. Get Oscar Allen in there. He's good. All right, here's this one that Ethan was talking about. It's from Pete.Tiernan. Well done on the W, but I really did think that Er Erling Haaland and Bryce Hall were batting out there. (laughs) Who's Bryce Hall? I know who Erling Haaland is. He's he's, um, been like a YouTuber, TikTok. What do you call it? Um, Influencer. Influencer. And also is... Jumped into the uh, YouTube boxing circle as well. He's been in, in like some fights. No, no he hasn't yeah. fought in uh, Jake Paul, but he, I think he's been on one of the same cards as him before. Am I showing my age a bit, am I? By not knowing that guy? Maybe. Maybe, yeah, it could be. <laughs> I, to be fair, I'll Google him afterwards. I Googled it. I Googled it because I didn't know who it was. So There you go. Yeah. Can't okay. be that big. That makes me feel a bit better. Yeah. yeah. That makes me feel a lot better. But got- Coop as Erling Haaland, that is flattering for the big fella. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, he's, he's a good-looking rooster, but Erling Haaland is six foot four and ripped. Yeah, Coop's, Coop's about five foot eight. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, well, Hobo, been really great to catch up with you once again. Congratulations on what you've achieved in the 22-23 summer. And until we see you in Orange next, all the best with work and the cricket before then. And uh, yeah, best of luck over the winter. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on again. Appreciate it. Uh, thanks to Josh Taylor and the Scorchers Media for helping organise this with footy season not too far away. Ethan, we'll be looking to get some younger boys on again in yeah. 2023 as well. Eagles, Dockers. Yep. Stay for tuned sure. for that. Everyone's coming through. Appreciate your time, Ethan. All good. Enjoyed it. We'll be back next time here on the Brad and Ethan Podcast.